0: You are listening to Staff Meal, the world's first podcast about
1: staff meals.
0: Welcome to the second episode of Staff Meal Podcast. My guest today is Joshua Lange. He is Director of Operations at Berlin's Contemporary Food Lab. Um, CFL is a hospitality group that is responsible for Panama Restaurant, for Katz Orange Restaurant, and for Tiger Bar. I think it's fair to say that Josh is one of the people here in town, who puts a lot of effort in pushing the industry to the right direction. I'm also happy to call him a friend, we live in the same hood. And early on, when I started posting and talking about my idea to do this podcast, he was among the first people who approached me and said how much he's excited about the idea for for many different reasons. And I thought this is a discussion that is worth to share with you and not just something that we will keep between the two of us. So without further ado, I met Josh recently for Scramble X and after that we recorded that conversation. That is hopefully something you will enjoy a lot. You are listening to Staff Meal, the world's
1: first podcast
0: about staff meals. I recently met you uh, while I was just on my way back from buying groceries, uh, and we immediately started talking about my staff meal podcast. And was was that was that
1: Bio Company or Aldi that no, you were it was coming yeah. <laughs> out?
0: Man, always venture conscientious. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, but I have like a Bio Company like bag that I use when I go shopping. <laughs>
1: Truth and advertising, ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we, we will cut that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I was maybe we can like win BIO your company and Aldi as sponsors for the podcast. Dude, I think that's a great idea, really man. Show show these people where it's coming from. Yeah, it's all in the same hood. So why are you so excited about my staff podcast?
1: Uh I just thought that when I saw uh, a posting about this, I was like, oh, wow, this is a really interesting and entertaining subject because there's a lot of material in there that no one's ever tapped before. And I guess this is one of those things of, you know, finding out how the sausage is made, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, I guess. And From my history of working in a bunch of different restaurants in different countries, I thought that immediately just a bunch of stories came back to me. And also, it's kind of a nice litmus test in seeing how a restaurant is run and who's running it. Really, you can tell a lot about a company and a team and the chef by what their staff meal is.
0: Tell me a little bit of your staff meal experiences recently. I mean, you worked in the States before you came to Berlin. Is there something like the... Top three worst staffer experiences?
1: Oh man, um, what's really funny, and you know, of course, I can only speak from my personal experience, but I've talked to other people as well. And let's bear in mind, I'm no young spring chicken. Uh, I've been I've been around the block a few times, so you could definitely qualify my um, experiences, uh, you know, some of that being from the old school. Uh, but. Top three worst staff meal experiences just so happen to always follow along the lines with uh, the most famous restaurants that you'd be associated with. The restaurants at the pinnacle of their game, we're talking three Michelin star type places. You know, these these places that really focus on, on being the best and also the ones that are charging the most amount of money. Uh, you find out actually that the staff meal there is really low on the list of priorities. Now, let's all keep in mind about what you have to deal with with your cost and your budgeting for running a a hiring place i mean glassware can cost you you know 5000 euros a month Mm -hmm. because of breakages you know um you've got a much higher number uh, of staff you know in the in the great places they want to have two members of staff for every one guest so in kitchen and service Mm -hmm. combined Mm -hmm. so that's i mean a, a really crazy amount um or at least one to one uh and then also there's the rent, there's the PR, there's the marketing, there's the plates, there's all these things. And so uh, that finds yourself into a situation where you're trying to you know, achieve costs through food and also any of these products that you're buying, you're not gonna throw anything away. Uh, but then also and something that I think a lot of people don't keep in mind, maybe from a staff member's perspective is how much or how little time you have to take care of these things. But if you want to talk about some interesting stories, um, I was at a place that was really uh, known for seafood and well, those are some scary staff meals. Those are some really, really old pieces of fish there. That was some, you know, the wilted greens that uh, weren't gonna make that day's salad, uh, things of that nature. Um, another place that I worked at, it was, uh, Quite intense, And then I was mentioning to somebody off to the side and then he was like, oh no, uh, listen, you don't even know about what happens with the uh, the water. And I was like, what do you mean with the water? And he's like, well, you know, the ice machine drips condensation. And so he's like, and the, <laughs> the, the chef like in super old school French, like, hey, this cost me money, man. Uh, and the chef's yelling at them that they need to put a bucket under the, the condensation drip tray so that they can use that for use that water for later. Uh, No surprise that that just so happened to be the restaurant that the staff would have to set up the restaurant in the dark because we didn't turn on the lights or the electricity (laughs) until half an hour before the guests came in. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That sounds all disgusting, but it it also sounds like strangely outdated because Mm. nowadays we live in a world where people like Argue about a lot how you should treat your people well, how you should care about them. Uh, And this apparently is the opposite, including like food poisoning people maybe with like three or four day old fish um, or seafood. Is there in those restaurants, is there no one in charge to, to like put a perspective on that and think, dude, that's the
1: well let's 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 just like you know we're talking uh, BCAD kind of thing like basically the minute that someone had a camera on their phone everyone's behavior seemed to change a lot you know and um YSI i support a bear kind and its no phone policy for many reasons of freedom of expression i think that also um these things that happen in life whether it's you know this is happening in our city and it's changing and i don't like change there's there's you know, an acceptance that every single person has to make about whether this is the direction of things or these are the people that are now participating in something is is that you can Be the bitter old man and stand in the corner and say, no, get off my lawn. Or you can participate and be part of that change and affect it and go into a direction. And so I think that there's been already a big change in gastronomy, all for the better. Uh, And how did that happen? That happened with probably one guy realizing that maybe someone could have filmed him saying something or treating someone in a certain way, number one. But then also number two is that what we all have to be really aware of is, is that gastronomy is super hard gastronomy is long hours gastronomy is lots of stress gastronomy is not so much high pace so you got to be passionate and used to i mean a lot of places that i worked there's people literally standing in the alleyway every day when the chef would start like opening up to try to talk to him and say like hey i want a job i want to be here i want to do this and i have definitely heard said to me and other people before you know, you do this again, or if you don't do what I say right now here there's a hundred people waiting to take your spot. And so the thing is is now I don't think anyone's going to say that ever because there is a shortage on talented people, there's a shortage Mm -hmm. on passionate people, and there's definitely a shortage on people that maybe before they would say, you know, I'm studying to become something, or I don't know what I'm doing with my life at this moment, but you know, I think food's cool and I like the people that I work with, and yes, I can do this after uh, university classes, or I can do this, and that was fine, yeah? But now, all things considered, Mm -hmm. I'll go work at the store instead, or something yeah. like that. So I think that um, this shortage, again, a, a situation of stress and, you know, great travesty, oh, where's our staff, where we're we gonna do restaurants that shut down. No, we're gonna make restaurants attractive. Mm. And that's the oh, best thing ever. Because really, I must say that the, the quality of the people that we find now, um, and the way that we connect with them is much better. I think used to you had people that were like more like mercenaries, like dude, this is this is what I am, this is what I'm doing. Uh, I'm gonna work here and I'm gonna work here on my resume and this. And now people are much more choosing where they want to be by who they're with and what mm-hmm. the environment is. And so that's really amazing to build something unique or build something that flows with a really great energy where everyone comes together and they appreciate each other and they appreciate the work that they do. Mm-hmm
0: what what makes a great staff meal from your point of view regarding all what you just said What what's like the ideal staff meal scenario
1: okay well uh, I'm gonna come at it from a couple of approaches I'm gonna come at it from the approach of from like what is like this, the the actual people, what, what they need and what the timing is and stuff like that. And then we'll go into the approach of like, what should like the restaurant's perspective be and things of this nature. So let's, let's do a little history lesson, you know, staff meal used to restaurants were inside of hotels. These were you know, bigger operations. And then you've got people that would also sadly to say both kitchen and service that would work, you know, very long double shifts Mm -hmm. and that you would show up at, you know, nine or 10 AM and get the restaurant ready in whichever department you were, do the lunch service and then prepare for dinner. So people would have something, hopefully a croissant, uh, some eggs, if they're lucky enough to wake up early enough at their house and then they show up and then you're jamming coffee and it's ready to, ready to go. And so we needed a way, the The restaurants and the hotels need a way to feed the staff. that didn't have to stay there that much longer uh, so that they could make it through the evening. So. What used to be something so simple as like, well, we have to provide... gasoline for the machines uh, has turned into now something more of a communal aspect, which I think is really uh, an important focal point. Now, let's go from the employee's perspective, yeah, is is that, okay, let's keep in mind, you got 70 people, you got 50 people, you got 30 people, I guarantee you not every single person prefers to eat their food in the same way, yeah, or they have religious uh, beliefs or they have, you know, some people are vegetarians, all these things like this, and you are looking for something that's going to obviously fulfill the needs that you have and then secondary like hopefully tastes good yeah oh man <laughs> we work in restaurants and we want food that tastes good concept yeah, I mean, someone should write that down think <laughs> Thanks. definitely i'm going to tell everybody else i know about that that's a cool idea um and then also the thing that's really sad from, like, what I remember as, as, as an employee is that staff meal uh, from the restaurant side is, is it, OK, how can we make a bunch of food that, you know, l- Let's be altruistic as well. How do we make food for a lot of people that tastes good that's, that is, is less labor-intensive, yeah? Well, what this went through in a phase that I would say post-crazy uh, 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 sludge, you know, the gruel for the staff and uh, pre-current times is that that just basically turned into uh, a, a, a meat and carb uh, fiesta. And so that means every day was some sort of slow cooked meat, ragu, and pasta, Mm -hmm. yeah? And maybe if you're lucky, some salad on the side. And then from the employee's standpoint is is that actually it would be nice to have things that are gonna keep you clean and energetic and Mm -hmm. like, yeah, a little bit of carbs is good, but like these big, heavy things like I mean, I, the only thing that I can think is worse is like let's serve turkey and gravy and mashed potatoes yeah. every day, right at five o'clock, when then you need to be on fire and running up and down stairs at yeah. six. Yeah, so, mm, eh, eh, you yeah. know, um, from obviously the restaurant standpoint, is is that they want something that I wish that someone that didn't work in restaurants knew how hard chefs worked because. From a service standpoint, or from the customer standpoint, you come into a restaurant, it's really obvious if the restaurant's ready or not from the service side. Mm-hmm. Are the tables set? Mm-hmm. Is the music on? Are the lights on? Yeah, okay. From a restaurant's, in the kitchen's perspective, they show up at a certain time, and trust me, I've worked a station before, even recently, yeah, <laughs> our, I, sous I chef, that. Yeah, our sous chef <laughs> broke his leg and then I was like, sure, I'll take Garmache, and that was, uh, yeah, uh, next time maybe I won't open my mouth so quickly, <laughs> We chef, we chef, we chef, is that what happens is you show up at a set time in the day to start, and you've got your list, your prep list, and these are the normal things that you need to get done for the day to be ready, but what doesn't take into account is, is this gonna be a super busy night? Is this gonna be a not so busy night? Is this even worse? Okay, today is Friday and Thursday, we're expecting not to be that busy, but then we got real hit. So now all your reserves are gone. And so now you've got an empty logger and you've gotta to totally rebuild everything. And so the, this is where most of the times when you're thinking about, oh, someone burns themselves and they're doing this, it's like, man, the time when we're in the middle of service and the orders are coming and stuff like that, yeah, that's really great because you're riding the wave. But man, that pressure is on from the minute you show up, man, you have that first coffee, the water, you look at the list of what you need to do and how many covers that you're going to have that night and what you anticipate's going to happen. And then you have to somehow, it's like digging your own foxhole, man. I need this much uh, onions Bruno. I need this, I need this, I need this. And you've got six other people in the kitchen, eight other people in the kitchen, all trying to do the same thing in a small space. And whereas when you're doing actual service, you've got small set mise en place everything's clean everything's organized boom there but to do prep you need big boards you need to put the whole fish down like and so there's even less space and you're trying to do a bunch of this really repetitive dicing slicing all this stuff boom 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 and you're under this massive pressure yeah and the thing is is that why i say five o'clock is when staff meal because you open at six service staff comes up hey it's 501 where's the food where's the food and you Maybe one guy is sick and now you're trying to make, you know, parsley oil for station two, you know, at the same time, you are also trying to take care of your your, your colleagues because, you know, you guys are going to be locked arm in arm to make it through the shift tonight. And so you're helping other people is that then even if the food goes out, most chefs, they don't find themselves the time to eat. And so what will happen is, is that it's why the chef is making the service meeting of like, okay, at six o'clock, we've got this VIP and at uh, 7.15, we've got to flip this table for this and blah, 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 is that then the chef, the cooks will quickly grab something from the bottom of the tray that's now been sitting out there for half an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, leftover, last bit of the pasta, a little bit cold and putting it into one of their, like, ramekins or their Cambrose containers, you know, and just literally why they're standing there, like, wolfing it down as as quickly as possible, yeah? Mm -hmm so that they can be ready by six o'clock for the first table to come out. And so obviously, someone has to make this food, yeah? Who's gonna make this food and what are you gonna do with it? And this is the core foundational question about how Mm -hmm. someone as a team, as a restaurant, as a company approaches staff meal because this really makes a big difference on the way that everything else goes. a really interesting story is, is that there's a restaurant in San Francisco uh, that is uh, really well known, uh, has, has, some, has some stars, is a very uh, serious contender in the, in the top list, let's say, and uh, they make the service staff make the staff meal, mm-hmm. which when I first heard that, I was like, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool and I was like wait a minute Nate you work over there at the moment no man I'm not working there I don't trust you but uh, I thought that that was a really nice approach because always the most difficult thing um, from like a management perspective is Getting people from different teams to work together and have respect, like you know, ah, oh, the the kitchen's like, oh, these waiters they don't do anything, they just like talk to people mm-hmm. and they're getting paid for that, you know, you know, as mm-hmm. as a core potential gripe right, from someone that doesn't have perspective. Mm-hmm. And the service side is like, why, they, you know, why are they yelling so much or whatever, you know. And so, I think that every single person could do a lot of good in their lives mm-hmm. if they work in restaurants. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> see how it is for, for those people that are waiting on you but also for all those people to work in the other person's departments and so yeah. I, I think that that's a really great approach by that restaurant um, a restaurant that I worked for that I'm really happy to, to state is Epic in San Francisco and Jan Bierbaum was the chef we opened that restaurant together and his approach I thought was pretty interesting and um, this is I'd say Padawan level staff meal approach mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and this was a long time ago as well this was 2000 Seven and eight? Yeah. Uh when when, when almost
0: pre-smartphone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely pre-smartphone. And uh so what he did is two things. His first approach, which was an interesting approach, is that basically lots of people want to work for this restaurant. It was gonna be something this is a, a well known chef. And what he did is any that someone applied for him and that he was really going to take them on, is that the first station that they worked wasn't a station. Their first thing was to make the staff mail. Mm. And so this is a way to introduce this person to the the, the team, uh, a quick way to let them know where they stood, you know, but also really taught this person, you know, we're doing this for our team, you know, taking care of each other, things of this nature. But then the second thing he did, which most people wouldn't have noticed, is is that There is, in uh, restaurants, as with most any industry, there's people that are trying to sell you stuff all the time. And rather than trying to negotiate a deal that gave him a discount on something or, you know, oh, the next time this is here, we'll take you to this or whatever these offers that some people make. um, He negotiated that I want you guys, in addition to all this Produce that I'm buying. I want you to supply the materials that we need to make a staff meal. Mm. And for all these people that are working lunch and dinner, um, this whole giant restaurant that's open seven days a week, we want good food. We don't want to try to make something out of something that's bad, blah, 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 And that was a really special moment for me when I saw that, is that like this guy is a really great leader in something that um, I thought was a nice approach to it. Mm. Um, I'd like to then just finish on what what Jedi staff mail is uh, just to give an approach about how when someone, if someone's a good team and they've been around for a long time. Yeah, there's a lot of requirements. It's not just you sit down like I'm gonna do this amazing stuff. Yeah, everyone has aspirations. But if you get a team working together and you learn your building, you learn your space, you learn your customers, and you learn the restaurant itself. We know this Tuesday it's a little cloudy, we're gonna do this many covers. Oh, this is this week we're gonna get all these businessmen or whatever. And you start finding more time to improve things, like hey, actually, if we put a little tiny table right there, then we could put the wine decanters next to the psalm station, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so, I worked at another restaurant, in San Francisco Boulevard. Um, it was in it was rated number one restaurant in San Francisco by Zagat for what was it, 15 years in a row or something like this. It it, it only had one Michelin star, but it was like the restaurant in San Francisco. Just everyone loved this place. And they were really one of these founders of this approach to this California cuisine, more simplicity in the produce. Everything on the menu had a name attached to it, you know, and uh, this was run by uh, Nancy, Nancy Oaks, and Pam Mendoza in the kitchen, and Kathy King is the general manager in the front of house. And um, I was just only a very small part there. This is a very big machine and and very many people have worked there. But uh, even after a day, you could see what the design was. And what I thought that they did is really took it to the um, best and most conscientious level of a staff meal. And what that was is that Usually if you've got a day service doing lunch, that then maybe you'd have like a small staff meal right before the shift, but then you're also really under the gun, more on a trying to be ready for like a 11 a.m. start time, you know, and everyone's showing up at like eight or nine. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got the other people for evening service that would come in and they would do um, staff meal then at like five. What they did instead is is that at like, say, three o'clock or was it four? I can't remember mm-hmm. anymore. But then they would do staff meal for everyone. Mm-hmm. But what they did about it is that they were really smart, is that they would lay out two really large banquet tables mm-hmm. and they would, every single day was a buffet, which, mm-hmm. okay, you'd say, but it, every staff meal, it's like a sheet tray and there's stuff mm-hmm. in this. But no, they set it up like an actual, if you were to be... Like not a guest at a fancy resort, but like, I mean, literally that they had everything separated Mm -hmm. and everything set up so that everything you could like mix and make your own thing. Mm -hmm. So for instance, a really simple one, let's do chicken Caesar salads. All right, so the lettuce was separate. The Mm -hmm. chicken breasts were sous vide. And then just like flash grilled, so that they, they could be if not eaten that day, you know you could save that and do it for the next staff meal or or, or incorporate it in some way like that. You had the cheese on the side. You had the any kind of like you had egg something different over here. You had anchovies on the side. You had the parmesan cheese on the side, and the croutons different. So now someone's gluten, you got you got no problems there. Someone's vegetarian, you got no problems there. Yeah, and then most importantly is is that yeah everyone gets what they want to eat, and no one's has oh I I don't want to eat staff meal today. The the but then also from their perspective they. Didn't in it. for instance dress the salad so that then in 15 minutes later this whole <laughs> giant bowl of greens is now done and you can't reuse it yeah. again and it's like all these little tiny things is like hey there's someone really smart one time that sat down and said this is how we're gonna do it yeah. and it's no question why they were such a profitable company as well yeah and so it's something that I always as a mark for me is, is that when you go and you observe in another restaurant You walk in and you just see what is staff meal. Who's making the staff meal? What are they serving for a staff meal? Did they choose to dress the salad or not?
0: Yeah, that's the point of proof if they want to work there or not. Well, a lot of of the things you just said reminded me of the first conversation I had with the guys at VARA um, a couple of days ago. For example, one of their chefs said, um, you can tell a great chef from his ability to do staff meal. And this totally connects to what you just said about the guy uh, if someone applied for a job, he he let him do staff meal to see what he's able to do, um, and I also like while I did my research, I, I especially like the idea to have actually staff prepare the staff meal also because like of like the cultural component of it, right? You have like a guy from Mexico who is like great in doing tacos, and then you can have like Taco Tuesday, and everyone would probably love it. No, no, we should have taco every day. Every day You have taco every day hey, dude, I'm know.
1: sorry I'm sorry man I've, Being from San Francisco I, I'm missing tacos every, every second of the day How about the taco situation In Berlin? The taco situation You know what It's, 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 it's rising Game is rising man Like I I've Lived in Australia Spain uh, England Traveled a lot In Southeast Asia And there was many instances where I would be like, well, you know, mm, okay, this pizza that I'm eating right now in Vietnam, it's not like normal pizza, but you know, it's giving me a taste of home and like, this is pretty good. I'm happy that I'm doing it. That wasn't the case with Mexican food. Every single time that I went to a Mexican restaurant outside of the States or Mexico, I was like, oh man, that's, oh, 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 that's not good at all. And it's just made me really upset because it's not anywhere close to what I was hoping for. and. I think that uh, there's a few places now that are, are showing st- strike a uh, strong game. I must say that I was in London a, a few weeks ago, I went to El Pastor and oh, that was fantastic. Mezcal selection was also on point, Guy, give mm. big props to that. Um, Max Parlberg down at La Lucha took a really interesting approach, which I find is important that people try to keep in mind is, is that the accessibility of the ingredients that mm. you would find in Mexico are not so easily to get here or you're not going to get the quality that you want and or the accessibility on a regular basis mm-hmm. so how do you make mexican food here that somehow Oh, it's not authentic, or it's this or that, and it's like take a better approach. Is like we want to be inspired by this. We're gonna make stuff that tastes great, and it really does. Yeah. Mm. Besides that, uh, Maria Benita on Danziger Straße for me yeah. is the closest thing that I can get to good carnitas at the moment, yeah. uh, and and the fact that he's got that flat top grill, like just yeah, it's it's yeah. doing the right things. Have you been to
0: what's the name Shapara on Wiener Straße? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Also, I also like that. Also, it's like. Probably the closest from, from our hood. Actually, our hood needs a good Mexican place that should be on for the next. Cool, let's write next, that down. Yeah, let's, let's make some, make some plans. Things. I guess I have like two more questions um, with me. One, um, we talked about like the three day old fish and the stuff, but there's probably, <laughs> yeah, you still you still feel it. There's also probably like a smart approach to be with leftovers. How important is it like? From that holistic, sustainable perspective, to think staff meal also as an opportunity to not waste food.
1: Um, I think that really the great chefs, and I'm talking about people that are in the kitchen. And let, let's be honest that now, what is it being a chef? It's <laughs> being a PR agent. It's being a TV personality. It's being all these things. Um, and I'm talking about just let's 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 constrain this just to the kitchen, but. Great chefs know how to not waste a single thing, and please do not mistake me by thinking that I say, oh, there's a way that this is old, we can somehow still use it. It's taking a very analytical approach to the beginning of this process. Mm -hmm. And so I think something that a lot of people don't realize is, is that every time that you look at a menu there's a lot of thought that went into that menu. And I'm not talking about like, oh, should we have spaghetti and meatballs on there or just a, you know, Tacos only. Yeah, Yeah, or only tacos, yeah. It's, okay. How can I put things on here that are going to, first of all, appeal to a wide range of people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's a a big question that I think people need to always keep in mind is is if you're doing something for someone else, Mm -hmm. which is what this is, hospitality, you know, is is that you need to somehow make it so that all the styles, all the flavors, all the personalities are, are satisfied. So, okay, we're gonna make a menu that we've got enough of these things, but then it's also, okay, how can I have a menu, like I could make a really cool menu with caviar and foie gras and truffles on every single dish, but that's gonna cost a lot, right? Okay, how do I make a menu that's, 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 that's you know, fits your food costs? And then the other element is, and this one is really, I, I, it helps me also show if a chef knows what they're doing is is that, do I design a menu where the, each station in the middle of the night, in service, is getting an equal amount of workload? Mm. Yeah? Okay, you've got this really great scallop dish, and then you've got this other dish that is also coming off sauté or whatever, and then all of a sudden... There's two guys like grills just chilling, garmage is not doing anything and saute is just getting killed, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really hard thing to do is how can I make this dish really attractive and come from garmage? How can I make this dish be like, okay, really attractive this? Okay, well, all right, if we put french fries on the menu, we know that's gonna get ordered a bunch. So we know that like, uh, you know, oil station, that's gonna be already there. And so it's really trying to balance those things out. And you then see that as a further you know, distillation of that is that when people order things and how they want to do this menu is that, okay, we're going to put duck on the menu. Okay. Well, what are you going to do with it? Well, actually we're going to do a duck breast and we're going to do this. Okay. But then how much does it cost to get a duck breast? And also you're paying someone else to do that processing. Okay. Let's buy whole ducks. Let's use the breast on this one dish. Let's use the legs, we'll confit them, and then we'll make uh, all sorts of things out of that. Or we serve that for staff meal, and then we use the carcasses to make stock for this and this and this. And so that's really the point that comes. It's not like this, it's not this like three day old fish Mm -hmm. because the chefs that know what they're doing. They planned out, this is gonna be used on this day. The belly of the tuna actually is gonna be nice. We're gonna let that rest for a couple of days to develop flavor, we're gonna use that then. And then lastly, we're gonna use all these other parts for this cool other dish or for staff meal. And so that then every single day, things are being used on the day that are supposed to be used. And if the shoe chef's worth his salt, uh, he's making his orders right, so we're not overstocked on anything.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Also, like that goes in the direction of what the guys at Barra said. So they recently had like monkfish on the menu, and then he made like a bouillabaisse um, with with the head of the fish, right? Just, mm-hmm. So this is like a friendly reminder that you have like to shut down your phone while doing for <laughs> a podcast. Um, as your position as like a, um, being in a management position, like for two different restaurants and a cocktail bar, do you give any directions? For staff meal, like you say, in my company uh, or let's say the company that I'm managing, uh, we do staff meal this and that way because it's important for us or is it something that just accidentally happens the right way because you work with great people?
1: Uh, the, the, where it really starts is, is that, like, you want to ask yourself internally, like, why is it that I do what I do? Yeah, and a lot of people, oh, do you work in gastronomy because it's like, there's all this excitement and there's stress and, you know, there's an adrenaline rush. Is it because you get to eat good food and drink good wine or and all these things? Um, those are all great things that make this a viable career. Yeah, it makes me like, I really love electronic music. But all the things around involve doing that, the, the, the early flights and the, this city, the next city, the next day and stuff like that, uh, dealing with this weird promoter that won't answer you back. And like stuff like that, that's, that's something that then that, well, that's a job, man. And so like, that's the difference between having something that's a career or not. And so all those things about gastronomy are what make it a totally viable career for me and why I love it but the reason why I do it was from the very beginning is this moment that you make this connection. I started as a server, make this connection with this guest and you give them something really amazing or you suggest like, really, you gotta try this. I know that you don't like duck, but you gotta try this thing that you did with it. It's like super crispy. And then they trust you and then they have that moment and you get to see them go through the moment that you already went through. You taste it before, you're like, oh my God, you know? Did they put coffee bean with that? How did you know coffee bean would work? And then you get to see that other person go through that moment. It's, you know, it's this whole thing about, you know, it's way better to give a gift than to receive a gift. And so this is, why we do this. This is also the chefs that I talk to that are really passionate and care about this is it's like man, like they love sticking their head and seeing what has mm-hmm. happened with the guests. And then also what's really nice and why every restaurant should it be an open kitchen just saying people europe like you guys really need to develop that idea more but that's why you have an open kitchen is that man people come up all the time to the past and tell us, wow we just had the greatest experience and like dude we're making people happy we're also giving some of our like energy and love into something that then another person is receiving and and, and taking from that and so if you answer that question inside of yourself why are you doing something then it really allows you to set forth what it is that you want to do how you want to go about it and who you want to bring in on that and so that then you know you can sit in an interview with someone and say like what's different you know what's a Riette? you know what's a roulade yeah and what temperature are you going to put this at yeah okay but we always ask from the very beginning it's like we try to ask so many questions about people's personal lives and their personality not a fact to like find out like their work history but to find out what's Mm -hmm. motivating them? What's driving them for that? And so um, it's no surprise if you have people who are like, man I love sharing this passion I have about food. You know, you find a song like, ah dude I just, this stuff is so crazy what they're doing here and I want to tell people about it and stuff like that. Great man, we got our best storytellers going on. You talk to somebody about with the kitchen and they're like oh dude, I just love it that moment when like that little sheen that you get off the top of that and then all of a sudden the spice hits and stuff. It's like, all right, we got the people that are going to be cooking. Mm -hmm. And then obviously those people, the way that they make their approach to preparing staff meal then goes on the same way and so things that i've only ever given in direction is saying like hey um keep in mind that maybe we've got you know uh, certain people that don't want to eat this or hey can we have a goal that we have vegetarian three times a week or something like this just so they keep things fresh or what's the rotation of side things i've mentioned to people is like Maybe not dress the salad before. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's meal. You learned your salad <laughs> I swear that's the one thing that <laughs> stick with me for the rest of
0: my life. <laughs> You're like nightmares about like <laughs> sloggy ledges. Yeah. Um, speaking about the the open kitchen, I remember when in October I was with my mom at your restaurant, and like after the dinner, my mom leaned over into the kitchen and uh, telling your head chef that she is about to receive. 10 stars <laughs> and I said no there is no 10 stars in this room but I like, saw so all the smiles and the cheers in the kitchen this is exactly what you refer to
1: yeah it's, um, it's yeah. one thing side note man get yourself a good chef they make your lives so much easier from a service standpoint yeah, <laughs> guests are always yeah. happy cool man what do you think about this dish I can promise you it tastes good man wow great recommendations through the roof
0: <laughs> I will leave that you, you are also um a sommelier like basically you are a sommelier Um, um, and I know that in your restaurant you introduce your staff to the new wine menu which is not necessarily like a staff meal but it's also like an approach like to to educate staff to connect them with the products you work how important is that
1: Um, something that for me was a really strong I I was really fortunate the first restaurant the first real restaurant that I worked at was Aqua in San Francisco and um, their education was quite intense and for me being someone that had just worked in college as like the host at a restaurant and didn't know anything and like stuff like this to come in there like at the total bottom as like food runner number five yeah Mm -hmm. and like to go through that process and like you know, obviously the captains were making a lot of money and getting to do cool stuff. And there's all sorts of famous people coming in and the restaurant was always, there's people with camera, like film crews and stuff. It was really exciting. But like, what was really nice about it is, is that I was starting to become passionate about this. And, you know, I tasted the, the, the tuna tartar. Uh, And that really I wasn't a big fan of fish at that moment I was quite young and when I tasted that and just what the heck oh my god And then I realized okay Maybe my mom wasn't so good with cooking fish and maybe fish is really good if you know how to cook it or you know How to prepare it. Yeah, and so what happened is is that um, The restaurant had a really structured way and an approach about how they're going to do their meetings. And so what people that don't work in the industry, you do staff meal at five per uh, first day, and then you do at five thirty the shift meeting. And so this is when you walk through all the things that are going to happen in the night. If there's like a large group that's coming in, if there's a VIP, if there's a table that had a special request, all these things, you run through the stations like, okay, Bob, you're going to be here. Remember that we've got to turn this table really quickly, etc. And, um, if they're in a good restaurant is is that that takes about 10 minutes mm-hmm. hopefully there's not too many corrections that we have to make you know uh and then after that then there's education and then that's mm-hmm. like the last 12 to 15 minutes and so then every day you're trying to focus on something and so like when like tuesdays was like service standards wednesdays was like a role playing and so that then there'd always be these interesting things where then like you would there'd be like the Psalm, the general manager and you know, the chef oh, great sitting at a table. And then they would, they would deliberately pick people that were, you know, the new ones or the unexperienced ones or the busboy, And they would be like, excuse me, excuse me. and then, Oh, great. Yeah, okay. Uh, yes. Hello. Yeah. And then they'd be like, okay, well we're going to order the salmon, but like, I mean, uh, I guess you have to have white wine with salmon. Right. And then you're like, uh, and you would learn like, how do you approach that? And like, no, sir, actually there's red wines that are light that can work. Mm-hmm. And you know, the goal is to not tell people what they have to do, but offer options that are going to make them the most happy. So then later in the week, as we're getting more ramping up to the, the, the higher points is that then you would do food school on Thursdays, which is, um, deconstructing a dish or bringing out the individual elements of a dish and letting you just taste the sauce or letting you taste the sauce before they do the final flash on it, mm-hmm. yeah, and so that you can see the build, of flavor, mm-hmm. and then how that works with the protein, yeah, and then Fridays would be uh, wine school where the sh- most of the time the sommelier would blind everyone, like in total mm-hmm. blind tasting format, alright mm-hmm. what's what's this on sight, what's this on nose, what's this on mm-hmm. taste, okay, what is this old world, new world, what vintage do you think this is, what country, alright, grape ride will go, you know? And so obviously you get to learn a lot of things from doing that. And then, uh, Saturdays would be the bar school. Yeah. And so, um, I really wanted to advance. I really wanted to learn more. I was really excited about this. And so obviously I studied really hard. Okay. This is the difference between a colheda and a Tawny and like all this stuff. I'm going to learn everything about port. But the really, the important thing wasn't those moments. It was actually that there was these people that took a lot of generosity and a lot of patience with this very <laughs> hot headed, young, cocky, with no experience, kid. And the captains, these waiters that were much older and much more experienced, would go out all the time after work and go to these other great Mm -hmm. restaurants. And they would always take me with. And let me tell you, the pay for Food Runner number five is way different than Captain, yeah? And so I couldn't afford any of this. And I mean, I'm not talking like once every six months. I'm talking once or twice a week. We'd go Mm -hmm. here. Oh, no, the best, you know, you cannot taste caviar unless you're drinking salon. Like, and so just popping bottles of champagne, all these things, you know, getting to have my first foie gras experience, you know, all these things like this with great sauternes and stuff. And those things, I might have learned the technical facts of why this and this is. Mm-hmm. You know? But getting to taste it and getting to share it with people that are really passionate about it was what instilled in me, this is what I want to do. This is what I love. And this is what I want to share with other people. And so with our uh, wine schools and stuff like this, is that there's a lot of people that don't have the understanding level of the sommelier. And maybe in other restaurants, what they'll do is that, Okay, guys, we've got a new open wine, a wine by the glass. Here's a little bit. Try this. This Mm. comes from here. Other places, I must say. And I even, what's sad is I spoke with a chef, Mm. a a chef, yeah, that was working at a three Michelin star restaurant, (laughs) yeah? I mean, this was like a couple months ago, and he Mm. was telling me that when he was working on the line, he would when the chef wasn't there then have to give a little bit of the dish to the head psalm so that the psalm could figure out what the f- wine pairing okay. was because the chef was okay. like they don't need to know anything screw uh, okay. you know? up I was like oh my sure. god that still exists yeah. that's terrible and so yeah. what we do is two things the first thing is is that we have the psalms open up crazy bottles like i want them to know why is this a good wine mm. let's taste let's taste pinot that costs 20 euros mm. let's taste pinot that costs 120 mm. yeah and when you put those side by side i think that that gives people that are unexperienced the best opportunity to learn things yeah. yeah but then the second thing that we do and this is really why mm, i think that our service team does quite well is with understanding what guests requests are and, and like building menus you know and making wine recommendations is that every single time that we do a new menu, we have all the staff come in, we have them taste all the dishes together, but we also pair the wines with them right then. So they taste the wine, then the food comes out the chef, talks about the food, they taste the food, they taste the wine, and the food together, man, not only do they know that stuff, but the, light behind their eyes when they talk to the guests. They're like, oh man, you got to try it with this Grüner of a though. Cause like, ah, you know, and that's, that's, um, what's cool is that maybe I'm not talking with the guests as often as I used to. And maybe I don't get to make that many wine recommendations mm-hmm. anymore, even though I love it, mm-hmm. but to see that. Passion and energy get transferred from me into these other people, that then run out and do it with excitement. Oh man, that's like one of the proudest moments. It's so fun.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I have to say, you have a great team regarding that. Because whenever I am, it's been a while. Whenever I am in one of your restaurants, I of course love to to talk to you about wine. And and ever since you are more busy with other things, I I I have to deal with the staff. (laughs) But in the meantime, I, I enjoy it a lot because what you just said, you see. That actually they, they care a lot. They have a lot of knowledge. And I remember when I moved to Berlin like twenty years ago, there was no such thing as like a group of young, cool people who were well educated on food. They were either well educated or food on food, or they were cool. There was yeah, no, yeah, 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 right? no, no <laughs> mixture. And now it's just like nice to have all that.
1: Yeah. Um, um, it's it's. The strangest thing about it is it's that it really is in life and in your job and whatever. The energy that you put into something is the energy that you receive and the energy that gets sent out and what the people, what people that attracts. And so, man, you're interested in something. Anyone out there that like, I want to know more about this, man, just go to wherever that thing is and you will find other people that have those same interests and you will find new connections. You will find maybe a new job. You'll find all these things. It's just, man, go and move with what... Uh, motivates you, What, what yeah. you find really interesting, not what's going to pay you the most, not what you think that your parents would be most happy with. Do the stuff that you love. Yeah, that's true. Speaking about the stuff
0: that you love, it's like almost one fifteen on a very sunny uh, Saturday. Um, noon, so we do like a big sacrifice to to sit
1: inside. Ah um, uh, no, and talk. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Five. No, I, I'm happy to help out. Uh, yeah. Happy
0: also, <laughs> talk about staff meal. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Last question: Staff meal at five at Panama. Do you know what will be on the plate, or is it always like a surprise?
1: Okay. It's always a surprise. It's always a surprise. The one thing that I do know is that there is always sriracha on the table, which makes me happy.
0: <laughs> that's the best thing to say to close a podcast. Thanks so much for coming by. It was great to talk to you. I learned a lot again. Um, and I'll see you soon in the hood.
1: Yeah, thanks, man.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for listening to the second episode of Stephanie podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Joshua Lange as much as I did. I definitely learned a lot, not only regarding drinking water and what to do with the dressing uh the caesar salad um please follow staff me podcast on instagram it's like instagram slash staff me podcast i will announce everything related to the podcast there and only there um, if you have any feedback for this episode or for the project in general, I really appreciate it. Um, feel free to direct message me on Instagram or send me an email. Since this is a new project, it relies heavily on the feedback I get. Um, so I want to make this as good as possible. And if you have any idea um, that is helpful to make this a better project and a bigger project, just feel free to drop me a line. I hope I, yeah, meet you all soon with the third episode of Staff Meal Podcast. You are listening to Staff Meal, the world's first podcast about staff meals.